Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Passover sermon by Rabbi Matt Shapiro. He looks around from where he's been hiding out, wondering if it's safe, slowly taking intentional but tentative steps to see what's happening in his surroundings, gradually moving out of the shadows and into the light. I'm talking, of course, about Uncle Pepper Smooth Shapiro, known as Pepper to his friends, the cat that we recently adopted for reasons that continue to escape me. But it has been fascinating to watch as he has gradually been acclimating to our house. When he came in, he was missing some fur. He was scared. He wasn't sure what was happening. And he spent the first, let's say, five or six days almost completely under our bed. He was a stray. We adopted him through the Stray Cat Alliance. He's unsure about safety, rightly so, as you can imagine, our house with our kids... And with me, it's a little loud, it's potentially startling. There's a lot going on. He's not coming from a safe place, and he doesn't quite know what lies ahead. And not to put too fine a point on it, but I would imagine that some of us can, you know, maybe relate to that a little bit. I know I can. That as we begin to gradually re-emerge after a year plus of this pandemic... We're trying to feel things out. We're trying to get a sense of what's safe. This is one of these experiments. We're trying to figure out how we can emerge out of those shadows and into the light. In our house, that's most present in our decision to be sending our older two sons back to school after Pesach break. Now, this is in no way... Uh, any statement against how safe and careful Pressman has been. The school has been incredibly uh, careful and thoughtful and measured in its response, and thankfully, things have been going smoothly. But because of asthma and because of a scary experience we had early on, and just because of the internal calculus that our family has been making, and each family's is a little bit different, we haven't yet done that. But we're going to. And as we move into this next phase, even though we are cautiously hopeful, there's certainly uncertainty and discomfort as we take these tentative next steps forward. And, continuing the parallels, we can think about this for this holiday as well. That as B'nai Israel left Mitzrayim, there was certainly no small amount of uncertainty and discomfort ahead. We haven't been in a safe place as a people. We don't know what's next, and yet we take these steps forward regardless, trying to be safe, trying to move forward, trying to determine what the next right, next right action is for us. One of my favorite Haggadot that I look to each year, and particularly this year, was compiled and written by Alav HaShalom, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, with, as you would imagine, if you know Rabbi Sachs' writing, the Haggadah, the commentary, is magnificent, and just as good are the essays compiled in the back on pretty much every topic under the sun related to Pesach, as you would expect 
from an author like Rabbi Sachs, who writes so both broadly and deeply about our tradition and about the world. And there's an essay that I was reading in which he talks about how this narrative of ours unfolds, and he talks about the nature of time, how we understand time as Jews. And he talks about how rather than understanding time as cyclical, as was the norm in the ancient world, that one of the many revolutionary concepts that Jews brought to bear is that we understand the world through a sense of covenantal time. That as narrative unfolds, that as history moves forward, it is grounded in an ongoing, evolving relationship between God and people, specifically for us, between God and B'nai Israel. And core and essential to this understanding is what he calls the difference between optimism and hope. Rabbi Sachs wrote, Optimism is the belief that things will get better. Hope is the belief that together we can make things better. Optimism is a passive virtue. Hope is an active one. It takes no courage, only a certain naivete to be an optimist, but it takes great courage to sustain hope. No Jew, knowing what we know of the past, can be an optimist. But Jews have never given up hope. Now, as someone who likes to think of himself as somewhat of an optimist, I'll be honest, this stings a little bit. How can it be that, knowing what we know of our history, that's impossible? And yet, particularly coming out of this year with its ups and its downs, it steps forward and backward and backward and forward again, it resonates. It's simply not a given that things will just automatically get better. Rabbi Sachs' understanding of optimism. So then how do we respond? Where and how can and do we find hope? There's a verse that I loved in the Haftarah for Parshat Bechukotai. It's out of Jeremiah. And in the prophecy, in Jeremiah's prophecy, he says, Mikvah Yisrael Adonai, kol oizvecha yevoshu. Hope of the hope of Israel is God. God, all who forsake you will be shamed. The surai ki azvu mekor maim chayim et Adonai. Those who have turned from you, those who have turned from you in the land, will be doomed. They have forsaken you, God, who is the fountain of living waters. You heard in the beginning this beautiful phrase, mikvah Yisrael Adonai, the sense that God is the hope of our people. And if you're listening to it carefully, particularly through the lens of the back end of the verse, which talks about this idea of mayim chayim, living waters, it introduces, always fun, the opportunity for some rabbinic wordplay. And if you look in the last Mishnah of Masechet Yoma, the Masechet that talks about Yom Kippur and the various rituals and laws that were observed, Rabbi Akiva, as is so often the case in the last Mishnah of Masechet, pulls this in a more agadic understanding, a little bit of fun at the end of a pretty serious chunk of Mishnah. He says, Amar Rabbi Akiva, Ashrechem Yisrael ifnimi atam metaharin, umi metaheretchem. How lucky are you, are we Israel? But before whom are we purified? Who purifies us? 
Avinu Shabashamayim, God, of course. Shene Emar Mikva Yisrael Adonai. Ma Mikva Metaher et Hatmeim. Af Hakadosh Baruchu Metaher et Yisrael. Playing with this idea, he says, Mikva Yisrael Adonai. He doesn't say it's hope. He says it's a mikvah. The ritual bath through which we can be purified. And just as a mikvah purifies those who are considered to be impure, so too does God purify us. So playing on this idea through Yom Kippur, the sense that how can we be purified? We are purified through God, yes, through our actions, and also ultimately through the Holy One. And I would stretch that then back in the other direction for what we're talking about today, to combine those understandings a little bit, that God is both the mikvah, the source of purification, yes, and also the hope for us as a people. And therefore, then we have the opportunity to immerse ourselves in hope, to immerse ourselves in those living waters. And of course, tis the season when we think about immersing ourselves in water, I think about Kriyat Yamsuf, moving through that split sea, which again seems to hit home with this idea of the seemingly fraught and challenging and yet still hopeful moment of putting one foot in front of the other that we didn't know as we walked through that water if the water would come crashing down at any moment surrounded by these waves and yet we kept on walking. So what does this journey hold for us? What drives us? What's on the other end? I turned back to Jeremiah, and that following verse right after, verse 14, might sound familiar to some of you, because Jeremiah then says, Rifaini Adonai ve'erata, hoshi'enu ve'ivashea ki tehilati ata. Hear me, God, let me be healed. Save me, let me be saved, for you are my tehila, you are my glory, you are my praise. That might sound familiar to many of you because that is what the rabbis then turn into the opening of the bracha that we say in the Shemona Asura each weekday in which we ask for healing. That through that hope we then move into a process of healing and recovery. That as we immerse and aspire to hope, that is what makes it possible for us to recover. And I think there's an added wisdom of our rabbis that they shift that from the individual to the plural, that recovery and hope and healing, yes, can be an individual process, but ultimately and ideally might very well be a collective one. No accident, I think, that in Rabbi Sachs's quote, he writes about how together we can make things better. And going back into Sachs's essay, he writes as well that the journey through the wilderness came to symbolize a journey through time, whose destination is something new, something unprecedented, a tomorrow radically unlike yesterday. What has this year been, if not a series of tomorrows radically unlike the day before? And he rightly notes, Rabbi Sachs notes, how frightening, how scary, that unpredictable unknown can be. So then we have the opportunity to implement the wisdom that our tradition holds, that our story isn't one of just feeling of thoughts, but rather one of action. We weren't magically teleported out of Egypt to the Promised Land. We had to walk 
one step at a time together. Because hope, ultimately, is an action. And the story that we tell each year, the story of the Exodus, reminds us of how vital hope is, reminds us that we can and that we ultimately must bring hope forth into the world. And even if we slip and stumble as we navigate those waters in which we immerse ourselves crossing through to the other side, that healing ultimately brings us forward. We all had a Seder last night, unless you happen to be watching the live stream from Israel, which uh, if you are, hello, but I don't think there are many. We've got another one tonight. And so I would encourage you to bring to your Seder tonight the question of how do you put hope into action? Bringing Rabbi Sachs' words back, what are you doing to make things better? And because it's not just about this conversation, it's about that action to then make a commitment. What's a hopeful action you commit to over these next days, these next weeks? How are you going to sustain that hope? And for myself, I'm thinking about these weeks ahead as well as I think about my kids going back to school, as I think about the other incremental actions, the stages that I'm going to be doing, that we're going to be doing, not foolishly, not not just rushing out ahead to do things simply because we can, but also recognizing that there has to be a path forward and working within what is not disregarding or ignoring the circumstances, but still saying it's time to move forward, even though we don't know for sure what the outcome might be. We need hope and we need to have faith we can navigate what's ahead. We know ultimately that we made it. We made it out of Egypt, we made it to Eretz Israel. Over time, took a while, as you might remember. And we don't just tell the story once. We tell it each and every single year. I believe there are so many reasons, but maybe one of the reasons is because as our hope begins to wane, we then tell the story again to revive and to bring that hope back to bear. I know this whole time you've probably just been thinking about how the cat's doing, and I'm glad to report that Pepper's fur has grown back. He has a beautiful, shiny coat. Just the other night, he hopped into bed with us, which grossed Sarah out a little bit, but it was very cute nonetheless. And there are still those moments when he scuttles back under the bed, and then he comes back out again. We'll keep taking these tentative steps forward. We're going to be finding these moments of trust and hope and of freedom. I hope we're all moving towards getting better. I hope we're all recovering in the ways that we need to recover physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope we'll continue to commit to taking hopeful actions and following through on those commitments. I hope I'll continue to hope. I hope that we will continue to hope this holiday, this year, and always. Chag Sameach. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.